When I was in high school, I was helping a buddy of mine with his eagle project. And I was walking through the field to the wooded area where they were all out working on the project. And walking through the field, I saw ahead of me on the ground this tennis ball. And so when I saw the tennis ball, I just thought, kick it. So I started running and I went to kick the ball. And right when my foot hit that ball, I never felt pain in my foot like I've ever felt before. And I just dropped to the ground. And all I heard from the woods were all of my buddies laughing at me. You know why? Because that wasn't your average tennis ball. That tennis ball was loaded with metal because it was his shot, his practice for shot put. They just kind of cut open a tennis ball and filled it with a bunch of heavy stuff so he could practice for track and field. And I thought it was this tennis ball and I was going to kick it as far as I could. And before I know it, I about broke my foot. You know, the truth is this. Not everything is as it appears to be. It's just the reality. We think things are what they are by what we see or what we feel. And sometimes things just are not what they appear. You know, think about it. The grass is not always greener on the other side. I think so often we get so sucked in to the mindset that if I had their life, if I was living that life that way, if I could just have fun like they're having fun, whatever it may be, that we miss out on what's truly best for us and we miss out on what God might have designed for us. Today we're starting this new series called The Greater Yes. And so often we're so quick to say yes to something that seems right, that feels right in this moment, not realizing with that yes what it truly means and what it might bring into our life. Because here's a truth that we always need to understand. Every time we say yes to something, we say no to something else. It's just the reality of life. And that's what we're going to be walking through in this journey. You know, we're constantly, I feel so often, trying to compare ourselves. We di- we've done it when we were children. We've done it when we were teenagers, in college, and let's be honest, we never grow out of it. All throughout our journey of life, we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. Boy, if I had their life. You know, when I was a kid, you look at the neighbors next door, their houses, the cars they drive, the fun that they're having. If I could just have that. Today, it's so much more bombarded right in our face with social media. I mean, we watch people on Facebook. We watch all these YouTube videos and we just think, boy, their life is so amazing. They're so fun. If I could just be that. And then we create these false realities in our minds. We get so caught up in these false realities based on what we see on this screen or whatever it may be. And we're just caught up in this false reality and these fantasies that we created in our own mind of, if I could just live in their world. If I could just be doing what they're doing. But then we lose sight on the fact that we live in a world where everybody lies. And I've met too many people where I've been like, if I could just have that life. I've met too many celebrities and and musicians who, it's like, boy, their lives are amazing. And then I met them backstage and I'm thinking, boy, it's not as great as I thought it was. I've seen too many opportunities where it, it just wasn't what it truly was behind the closed doors. What it really was in their world. But yet we get so caught up in what we feel their world is. You know there's a psychology to Facebook. There really is. I mean, we always put out our best front on Facebook or social, whatever social media platform you choose to use. We try to make things look like they're amazing, like life is great. But if people only saw beyond this picture, if they could really see 
my home, my life, my world. But yet we get so caught up in that moment, in that life, in that world. And there have been so many times that we just get let down because the grass is not really greener on the other side. It really isn't. Things are not always what they seem to appear. This has caused us to go down paths that are very dangerous of what we think we want, what we think feels right in the moment. And all it does is just bring brokenness and disappointment and everything that we hoped it would be, it's not. And we're just left broken. You know, we see this struggle actually begin all the way at the beginning of time. Right after God created the world, he created Adam and Eve. And almost instantaneously, they brought this grief into the world. It happens in Genesis 3. Here, we see the created relationship between God and humankind tragically broken. Tragically broken. Why? Because they broke free. They broke out of the boundaries that God provided for us. To give us everything that we hope to have. The story begins in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. It's written. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You know the serpent, which is, in case you didn't know, the devil. The Bible says was more crafty than any other wild animal that God created. If you've ever been out in the wild, I mean, animals are fascinating. They are amazing. And predators are wild animals. And they're amazing to watch how they are so crafty at sneaking up to their prey and how they manipulate their prey and how they attack their prey. I mean, they are crafty. They are wise in what they do. You know, what, years ago, I had the awesome privilege to be in South Africa and go to Kruger National Park on a drive through safari. One of the most amazing experiences in my life. And now that I can't be there, I follow different groups on social media who go through Kruger National Park and take amazing pictures. And so I can kind of relive or see what's going on in that beautiful country and seeing the animals in, in their natural habitat. And there's one video not too long ago that I saw that was truly unbelievable. And fascinating to me. Check out this first picture. In Kruger National Park, this leopard snuck up behind this baby wildebeest. And no joke, that leopard was thinking, is it really this easy? That leopard sat down and for a good minute or so just sat behind that wildebeest. That wildebeest had no idea two feet behind him was danger. Two feet behind him was death. He had no idea. He was just living life. Things were good. Everything was great. I'm just enjoying my meal. And I think so often we get caught up in that. We're, we're just like that baby wildebeest. We get so caught up in what I want, what feels good to me, what feels right to me, that we don't even realize there's danger two feet behind us. Danger that's waiting to destroy us. Danger that's waiting to devour us. That wildebeest just thought life is good. I'm just enjoying the sun. Enjoying my life. It's a beautiful day. And that leopard just had to be thinking, boy, am I crafty. Is it really this easy? And after sitting there, and maybe even laugh, maybe in his own leopard way laughing a little bit, this happened. That wildebeest is no more. 
that wildebeest is gone. He was just thinking things were great. Life was good. No danger here. And before you know it, he was devoured. My friends, that's a picture of Satan to us. So often we just kind of go through the motions. We just kind of go through life, what feels good, what seems right with what I want to do. And we don't realize there's danger two, two feet behind me. It's waiting to destroy me. I, I think all is well. I'm just living life my way. I'm doing life what I want to do. But someone is trying to destroy me. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8 that we need to be alert and, and of sober, sober mind. That your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Just like that leopard to that wildebeest. The devil is hiding in the high weeds of your life. He's crafty. He's more crafty than anything else. You know why? Because he knows your thoughts. He knows your motivations. He understands you. He knows how you tick. And he's going to use that against you. He's going to think that you're just living life. He's just hanging back there, waiting to pounce on you, waiting to devour you. He is that crafty. You see, through his craftiness, the devil's goal is to get us to find our wisdom without God. That's what he desires. You know why? Because he knows that if he can get us to search within ourselves to find our own wisdom, rather than finding the wisdom of God, guess what? He gets your heart and he pulls your heart away from God. And before you know it, you separate yourself from the reality and the nature of God. Just like that wildebeest, we think are all good. I'm just living my life, doing things my own way. I think I've got this. I've got this. I, I can take care of myself. I got it all together. But we lose sight on the reality that you've never had this. God's got this. God's got this. And we think we're on the right path. We think, we're, we think we're just in an open field of safety, doing whatever we want to do. The, but the Bible says in, Rome, in uh, Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that all of us think is right, but in the end, it just leads to death. My friends, we have become a world where we've been so focused at searching for our own wisdom within our own self. We think, well, if it feels good to me, if it feels right, then it must be truth. It must be right. We begin to search our truth rather than his truth. We try to live life my way rather than his way. And we're constantly searching within ourselves. You know how I think this started? I think the struggle is really here. You see, we begin to find ourselves broken down with trust. Every relationship, we, first of all, God created us as relational beings. And every relationship we have is built around and upon trust. But because we live in such a broken world, trust has become completely broken in our life. And when trust in this relationship gets broken, then before you know it, it then begins to cause you to not react well with other relationships or push other relationships away. Why? Well, this relationship broke my heart. And this relationship broke trust. And so because that relationship happened, I can't trust this relationship. You may have never verbalized it. You may not even realize it. But if you're honest with yourselves, that's what you begin to do. 
And then before you know it, because God created us relationally, and more than anything wants a relationship with us, we then to equate our relationship with God, just like every other relationship in our life, and well, this person failed me, so he's going to fail me, so I can't trust you, so I need to search within. That's the path we all tend to fall prey to. That's the path our world is in. Because of the brokenness, because of how other people let me down, I can't trust them, so I can only trust myself. This is where i got to figure things out. And in so doing, the devil wins. He begins to win in your mind and in your heart. So can I just ask you a question? How has trust been broken in your life? How has that broken trust affected your relationships and affected your relationship with God? It's time to be honest with that. And I know there may be some people sitting here and saying, Bill, things are good. They're, I don't have any broken relationships that have affected me. Yeah, some people let me down, but, but there's no broken trust that really affects how I relate to other people. There's really no broken trust with how I relate to God. And, and I just have something to say to you if I can be truly blunt. I mean, I want to meet you because you are, you are the most amazing person in the world that no broken trust has ever caused you to have affected relationships in your other path. That's just unbelievable. Can I just be honest with you? You need to be real with yourself. Because you're not being honest with yourself if you're sitting there denying, hey, my lack of trust in other people does not affect my future relationships. I'm good. No, you're being dishonest. Because none of us are immune from that. Every one of us in our journey has had broken trust. I have had so many relationships of broken trust in my life that have caused me to make other decisions in other relationships, and I have the scars to prove it. And I bet you do too, if you're just real. If you're just honest with it. And if you're honest with it too, because other people in this world have disappointed you, maybe even Christians, it's caused you to maybe push him away. cause you to say, you know what, the only person I can really trust is right here, and I'll figure it out. And in so doing, the devil wins. See, because ultimately, wisdom is found in trust. That's where wisdom is found. Wisdom is found in your ability to trust. And when you start to push other people away because you can't trust them anymore, you start to search in because you think the only person I can really trust is me. And then you start to look internally for your wisdom. And I don't know about you, but every time I trusted myself and try to go with what I thought was right, it always left me broken and disappointed. Every time. There's wisdom from God. So where's your level of trust? And even beyond that, do you trust God? Do you trust him? I mean, let's be real with that question. Because if we're honest, I bet a lot of us sitting in this room or online right now are probably going to be real. Like, I, I, I don't know if I trust him. Because you know why? Trust is such an intimate, raw, most basic place of surrender. That I completely trust you. But here's the wild thing. Of all the places we trust in this world, every time I step onto an airplane, I tell that pilot, who I don't even know who they are, I trust you with my very life. 
Every time I went whitewater rafting down some crazy rapids, I told that knucklehead guide, who I had no idea who they were or how well they were trained, I trust you with my life. Every time I get in a car that I am not driving, I am telling that driver, I trust you with my life. Whether you realize it or not, there are so many aspects of your own journey that you are surrendering to somebody, I trust you with my very being. But then when we come to God, oh God, that's too real, that's too raw. I can't do that. I can't trust you with my life. What's holding you back from truly trusting him? From truly just taking a step. God, my way's not working. Because when we take that step, the Bible says there we find wisdom. This isn't your notes, but James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. I love this word, generously. That's what James writes. You lack wisdom, go to God, ask him for it. He will pour it out. He wants to pour it all out to you. He wants to give it to you so generously. All that he knows, all that he is, all that he has, he wants to give it to you. He says, he says, just trust me. Just trust me. Just give it to me. God so desperately wants to share who he is with you to give you the wisdom to guide your steps. It's written in Proverbs 9, verses 10 through 12. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Trusting Jesus, giving ourselves completely to him, is the beginning of wisdom. So often we're not experiencing the wisdom that God wants to provide to us because we haven't trusted him, because we haven't taken that raw step of I'm completely surrendering to you. And we're not experiencing him. The beginning of wisdom is that raw real, emotional step of, God, I trust you, and I'm giving it to you. And then the, the Proverbs verse said, when you seek him and get his wisdom, you will be rewarded. But if you don't, you seek your own wisdom. The Bible says that that is the path to suffering. This all starts with knowing who surrounds you. Who are the influences in your life? Who you surround yourselves with matters. And so often in this world, we are so bombarded with outside influences that we distract ourselves away from God. It may be our neighbors, it may be a co-workers, people we hang out with, or maybe you spend so much time on YouTube and social media, you just allow those false reality hopes to sink into your mind and become your wisdom. But another place in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it's written, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Know who you surround yourself with. Know who you're allowing to get into your mind. For Adam and Eve, in the garden, they allow themselves to be surrounded and influenced by this crafty serpent, the devil. And the devil's most basic weapon to tempt us and pull us away from God is his craftiness, is his manipulation. He knows your thoughts. He knows your doubts. 
He knows your, your desires, your heart, what, what you want. And he's going to use that to manipulate your thoughts to pull your heart away from God. You know, he's going to make you think that God's holding out on you. That God's not being fair. And he even begins to make you think that what God offers is not that great. He begins to minimize the blessings and generosity of God. You know, he makes us believe that, man, this whole following Jesus is not that fun, not that great. God is just a rule keeper that's trying to keep life unhappy for me, taking away what I can really have to enjoy life. And then we begin to think that maybe, just maybe the grass is greener on the other side. And then we begin to miss out that God, the creator of everything that is, is revealing something here. There is so much more to life than you could ever imagine. Don't sell him short for what seems good in the moment. Don't sell him short for what feels right right, right now. There's so much more than you could ever comprehend if you just trust him. Seek him. Follow him. You know, in the beginning of the story in, in Genesis 3 with the verse that we read just a few moments ago, the serpent, the devil, posed a question to Eve and Adam who was also sitting there. The devil said, did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? I mean, did God really say that? In Satan's craftiness, his question challenges the heart of mankind. Making us feel that God is unfair. That God is holding out from us. Because here's the, here's the challenge. If Eve answers yes, God said that. Then what she may be admitting to is God's stingy. He's holding out on his grace. You know, his grace isn't that great. He's holding out from what I could really have in life. What I could really be enjoying. All the good stuff that this world has to provide. God is so unfair. And then we begin to play, have a seed of doubt in our heart that leads us towards the first step of rebellion. You see, my friends, this, this small yet subtle challenge of our own mind, the manipulation of the devil himself is very dangerous because it causes us to question the reality of God and move us to a way that maybe, maybe he's not really being fair. Can I really trust him? The way that these other people broke trust with me? Can I really trust him? See, the devil's temptation path is to get us to question God's grace. That God's holding out on us. Then to get us to think that, you know, maybe if I said yes to this, it's not that bad. I mean, this sin that God calls a sin is not that bad. It's not compared to what these other people are doing. I mean, I can't be that bad. It can't be that far off. The, the consequences can't be that severe. And then we begin to distort God's words. We begin to distort them to entice our own hearts away from God's heart. That's exactly what happened here. Check out what God's real words were in Genesis 2, verses 16 through 17. God said this, He commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Do you see that? God said, you are free to have 
anything in this garden. This whole garden, it's yours. Enjoy it. Love it. Have fun in it. Do cartwheels around it. Eat all-you-can-eat buffet all the time. It's yours. All this tree, such good fruit, so pleasing to the eyes, so good for your bellies. It's going to fill you up like none before. Just don't go to that one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything else, these acres are yours. Just stay away from that one tree. Don't eat from that tree. Then watch how the devil manipulated God's words to Eve in verses one, chapter 3, verse 1. Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You see that slight manipulation? God said you can have everything in the garden except for that one tree. What did Satan say? Did God really say you can't have from any tree? And he began to manipulate the mind of Eve away and distorted God's true words away from what God's heart was. And then in verse 4 of chapter 3, he said, you will not certainly die. You're not going to really die. See, God, what he was talking about was a spiritual death. The reality of once this sin comes into the world, the consequence and the spiritual death, the decay that begins to happen, the heartbroken, the the brokenness, the the severity of it. Satan's saying, you really think you're just going to drop down and die? That's not going to happen. Come on, Eve. God's playing with you. And then Genesis 3, verses 2 through 3 Eve begins to buy into the manipulation and she begins to twist the words of God a little bit. She said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Do you see her slight manipulation? Her, her slight change in what she believed God said? Well, it's not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's that tree in the middle of the garden. And then she added, well, God also said, you can't touch it, you're going to die. And what we're seeing here is what happens so often to us even today. We want something. The devil knows that. He begins to manipulate your mind, entice your heart, distort God's word to try to match what you want. And then before you know it, you're quoting your own scripture. And you're going down a very scary path. Lessening the freedom that God wants to give to you. You can have all this. And we gave up all this for that one thing. Can I just be blunt honest with you right now? The devil is full of lies. But God is full of freedom. All throughout the Bible, the Bible teaches us that the devil is the father of lies. He is deceitful. He's trying to manipulate your mind to pull your heart away from God. To think that if you go with him, the grass is greener. That there is freedom here. When in all reality, all he's pulling you towards is brokenness and death. God is freedom. He is life. And God told Adam and Eve, you are free to have All this, you have the whole garden. You have all this. Just not that one. But Satan changes the focus to that one thing. Come on. He's holding out, like, you can't really have that? Are you kidding me? 
you're missing out. You could really be free and enjoy life if you just had that. And he manipulates God's word in our hearts to what feels right for us. But as it's written in Proverbs, there is a path that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. The devil's craftiness has the ability to guide us into dangerous territory, finding who we are, finding our truth rather than his truth, finding myself in me rather than finding ourself in him. We adjust God's word when we risk so much with this. We convince ourselves that it's not that bad if I just eat that fruit. It's not that bad if I just do this, if I become this person because I'm not like that person. I'm not doing that blatant sin. And we just minimize the reality of what we are doing. And we think, well, the death, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, we're not really going to drop down and die. I mean, we still enjoy life. And we minimize the consequences of it and what may happen. And we find ourselves projecting what we want and our tendencies on God. And we find ourselves in rebellion and brokenness. And we begin to discuss God's word rather than engaging God's word, rather than engaging him. And we miss out. I love this final verse in verse 6 of Genesis 3. Check this out. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. She has set subtle twists in Eve's heart. She saw this one tree that God says, don't eat that tr- from that tree. Just don't. You have this whole garden. Garden that's pleasing to the eye. A garden that's full of great fruit that will fill your belly. And you see her subtle shift in her thoughts. She completely focused away from everything else on that one tree and said, ah, oh, that tree, that tree looks good. That tree is pleasing to the eye. That tree will fill me up. And she gave up everything for that one thing. And in so doing, she lost it all. She lost it all. Don't miss this very important truth. Every time we say yes to something, we say no to something else. Every time. Every time you say yes to your heart. Every time you say yes to, I want to do this. I want this. You're inadvertently saying no to something else. And probably saying no to what God has for you. Don't believe the devil's lives, lies. Don't fall prey to his manipulation. Because God is freedom. God is life. So often we want something that we don't think we already have, just like Eve. She wanted something that she thought, I don't have this already. She believed the manipulation, but in reality, she had a whole garden full of it. You have a whole garden full of God's blessing. Don't believe the manipulation that I just want that one thing and I'm missing out because of that one thing. 
God's given you so much more. Don't ignore God's generosity, what he has for your life. The battle is sometimes that we want wisdom without the relationship of God. And in so doing, we miss out on what God wants to pour into our lives. Stop trying to seek your own wisdom. Stop trying to seek your own truth and seek the heart of God. And experience him. It's time to take that step of trust. Take that step of trust and see what God wants to pour out into your life, into your heart, and into your future. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. And Lord, in this moment, help us to see you more clearly. Lord, so often we struggle with trusting you. And if we're honest, it's because of trust that has been broken in our life. Lord, just help us to be honest with that. And if we need to find someone to help us through that journey of rebuilding trust, may we find the right people. And Lord God, in this moment, may we just experience you in a whole new way. Lord, as we trust you and surrender to you, may we see the wisdom that only you provide. And Lord God, we pray that you may protect us from the craftiness of the devil, from his manipulation and lies. And may we truly find the freedom that only you provide. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.